another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. If you are new here, the Freedom Review exists to inform and educate the Fort Worth and Tarrant County community about the values and the functions of civic engagement, the goings-on of the local city council, the mayor and the county commissioner's court, as well as important news stories from our community and from the greater Texas community, including state political issues. My name is Anthony Sosa, and today we have Amber O'Dell, Thomas Moore, and Christy Beamer here to discuss the local response to the attempted insurrection at the U.S. Capitol this past Wednesday on January 6th, 2021. I will start us off by discussing uh, Senators Cruz and Cornyn's responses, as well as the Texas House Republican response. Thomas will delve into the U.S. House Democrats' response. Christy brings it closer to home with the mayor and the city council responses. And Amber will discuss the state house and senate and governor's office responses. All of the resources used for this episode will be provided below in the show notes. As always, please subscribe and sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues. We are currently a volunteer organization. If you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at FW Review and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us or this podcast, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button. I guess I'll start us off then. Um, so obviously we've got a lot about Cruz, right? That's kind of like, at least on the national level, there's been a lot of chatter, a lot of takes back and forth about what Cruz has done, his role in this whole process. So I kind of want to take it, take us back just a little bit and kind of reiterate what he said last Saturday. Um, so before, you know, before we even got into all this stuff, he was on conservative talk show, uh, the Mark Levin show, which is like a conservative talk show host. And on that, he was saying, I would urge, so okay, I'm getting this from a Texas Tribune article titled Congress reconvenes to certify vote after Trump supporters storm Capitol. And he said, I would urge to both sides, perhaps a little bit less certitude and a little bit more recognition that we are gathered at a time when a Democrat, when democracy is in crisis, still talking about obviously the election being in question and this is leading up to the you know the certification of the electoral votes um and he's saying recent polling shows that 39 percent of americans believe the election that just occurred quote was rigged you may not agree with that statement but is nonetheless a reality for nearly half of the country even if you do not share that conviction it is the responsibility i believe of this office to acknowledge that it is a profound threat to this country and to the legitimacy of any administrations that will come in the future. And so this is just an example essentially of him saying that even whether or not you agree or disagree with me, a lot of Americans feel this way. But I just wanna point out that like this completely discounts the fact that the media has been perpetuating this narrative for the past two months since the election happened, right? Like him included, and mm -hmm. also a lot of the people we're gonna talk about on this episode, like a lot of these people have essentially been banging that drum of 
this is it was a rigged election. This is not real democracy. This isn't the people actually saying stuff. And there's again, I want to make it very clear to any listener, like there is no evidence of that. There is no evidence of that. There hasn't been. There's been over 100, what, 130, Thomas, is what you're saying, lawsuits in regards to this? Between the voter fraud lawsuits and just the lawsuits where they're just like trying to change voting laws to keep more people from voting, it was like 114. Okay. I think specifically for voter fraud, it was six, it's at 62, 63 right now. Okay. And none of those. This last one a couple of days ago. Have found any evidence. So I just want, that's, no. that's not debatable. No. <laughs> like it's not, yeah. it's just not true. So, so that's kind of what he was saying. He said that on the Mark Levin show and he said similar stuff since last Saturday, but I thought that was a pretty decent example. And so then, uh, on, uh, oh, I'm sorry that I, I misspoke. That episode was aired on Monday, Monday, not Saturday. So this is a pretty close to, to Wednesday's events. Um, and then after that, during the insurrection, right? If you want to call it that, I know some people semantically debate whether or not that's an accurate term for it, but that's, that's the term that I'm going to choose to use. Um, a campaign funding email went out during the middle of it, trying to, yes. trying to get money from his supporters while people are in the Capitol. And he yes. has since he, claimed- he, Towards the election fraud. Exactly. Um, and he's kind of trying to distance himself from that, saying that he ha has a third party that is taking care of those emails and that he was in no way intentionally trying to do that. Now, there's there's no way for us to know for sure. Right. But like either way, the optics of that is awful. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just, like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sure that he doesn't send out his own campaign emails, sure. but like still like the message of it and like the control over your team of people that are representing you, like is still failing. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the irony of the situation, you know, can't be understated. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Right. And even if it wasn't, even if he sent it at, at the insurrection, like you said, he's been doing this for months. This is what fascist regimes do. Mm -hmm. They question the media, specifically people who are critical of them. They capitalize. They lie to the people and tell them what they want to hear. And then they question the validity of elections if they lose. Absolutely. And so, like, and then Ted Cruz. Go ahead. Sorry. Ted Cruz is 100%. Sorry. He's 100% going to try to run for president in 2024. Yeah. <laughs> Looking that way. And so he, he's using this as like an, as a. Yeah, right, we're gonna, you're yeah. going to need to put a trigger warning for gag <laughs> gag sounds on, on this episode. All right. <laughs> My bad, yeah. So another thing he said during <laughs> during the interview, he's essentially kind of using this to say some Republicans who are not conservatives, um, forgive me, I'm reading the quote, who in good conscience would disagree with this view of Congress's role in certifying the presidential election results? Um, and he's saying, on the other hand, that there were some Republicans who are not conservatives, but who are piously and self-righteously preening when it comes to the issue, trying to distance himself, it's like saying, drawing a line between what a real conservative is and then like an opportunist conservative. And he's saying that some of these Republicans aren't real conservatives that are standing up for this idea or whatever. So I just kind of wanted to. Right. Is he talking in a mirror? <laughs> Perhaps it could be projection, right? Um, so, okay, after the events that had happened at the Capitol, um, before, before there were 11 senators that were saying they were going to object to the Electoral College votes of Arizona. That was kind of like the when everyone decided to object when they had gave their arguments. It was for the Arizona uh, Electoral College votes. Um, after the events, 
uh, that number had dropped to six. So all 11 of those guys didn't end up actually saying, doing what they were going to, you know, saying what they were going to do. A lot of them changed their mind. Five of them changed their mind. However, Cruz didn't. He stuck to his guns and, and said, no, we're still going to, uh, you know, oppose. Object. Object. Thank you, Amber. I was like getting the wrong terminology. I got, I like to print off my stuff and read them. So now I've got a bunch of papers in front of me and I'm, I'm, I'm like all over the place trying to get my notes in the specific order. Uh, so <laughs> forgive me for that. Um, and then, however, so then now there's been a bunch of people who are responding to Cruz and they've, they've kind of got a bunch of different ideas kind of all across the board. So I'm just going to read a few of them from this other Texas Tribune article titled how Ted Cruz's attempt to overturn election uh, ended in violence at the Capitol. And so this. Uh, let me see who the author was. By uh, Alex Samuels and Patrick Svitek. And so they kind of say here, quote, politically, it was a high stakes distillation of GOP tactics in the era of Trump. His challenge of the Electoral College votes help him among core Trump supporters, but risks further damaging his political standing among rank and file Republicans like moderates and suburban swing voters who have traditionally formed a stable winning coalition for Republicans in Texas and nationally said Brandon Roddinghouse, a political science professor at the University of Houston, who added, siding with Trump is risky. And so Cruz is taking a risk here, but it's a, it's a political gamble that he's willing to take because, like you said, he's going to be running for president. So he's thinking this is going to hedge his, hedge his bets, garner him some, some votes, some attention yeah. from people. And so then there, there's, uh, there's more. Ted Cruz had nothing to do with the making of some determination of whether or not it was fraud to reverse the outcome of the election and only to do with 2024 in the presidential primary, said Jerry Patterson, a Republican former state land commissioner who was open about his unhappiness with Trump, but conceded that he's voted for Cruz in past elections. That's why I could never get back into politics anymore. I'm sick and tired of this bullshit. And that's what it was, says Jerry Patterson. That's a quote. That's what I like about the Texas Tribune. They put they put those in there. Um, continuing on, you have some senators. This is from uh, Senator Tom Cotton is saying you have some senators who, for political advantage, were giving false hope to their supporters and misleading them to believe somehow yesterday's actions in Congress could reverse the results of the election. And so Tom Cotton is the senator from Arkansas. He's also been talked as a political contender for the president in 2024. Yep. And he continues saying that was never going to happen. Yet these senators, as insurrectionists, literally stormed the Capitol and were sending fundraising emails, like we just said. And so I think it's important to note, like this, this guy's Republican. This guy's maybe going to try and run for Republican president. But even that, he's using the term insurrectionists. He's saying yeah. that people were lying, that, that essentially the political process about how this even goes People were lied to about it by the media, by Fox News, by Newsmax, by OAN and others. It was not possible to overturn the electoral votes in on in Congress on Wednesday. It, was is that's not how it, it was stuff, never possible. No, that's not how it works. Wasn't he originally going to contest this? Tom, probably. He, he probably he might have been I one of the people who changed his mind. I'm not sure. I'd have to cross reference that. But I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. Like Tom, Tom Cotton, I've actually been watching for a little bit. I have a lot of family in Arkansas. Uh, mm. I think in 2012, he ran for the House. And then I think in 2014 or something like that, he ran for Senate. But uh, to me, he seems like an honest guy, a decent guy. Not like Ted Cruz is like this opportunist 
Canadian that came in. Tom Cotton, um, I remember he was in law school. I remember that when 9-11 happened, he's one of the guys who, like, initially when they thought they were, like, at war, war, and when what was going on, mm-hmm. he just initially enlisted into the, to the military. Mm-hmm. So I don't have, I know he's a guy of integrity. Okay. I know he's a man of faith. I think he's disgusting. I despise Tom Cotton. Oh, yeah. No, no, don't get me wrong. Like, he's, he's, he's on the wrong side of the fence. I, I just think that he's one of the, he's, He's not entirely Satan. Get what I'm saying? The bar is pretty low here, right? And so, I mean, and then, yeah. that's yeah. kind of what, yeah. what I'm wanting to point out is like, yeah, not he, a serial killer like Ted Cruz. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Exactly. He's not the Zodiac killer. Um, so, so, I mean, that's, you know, this, this is pretty good. This is, this is the type of response that we should be happy to hear from other Republicans that yes, there was. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great if they would have come out and brought all of this up, you know, like at the time that the election was taking place, you know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. I just yeah. see all of these people like jumping ship as like being really self-serving. And I'm not, I don't doubt that some of these Republicans who, you know, like really do view themselves as patriots and really do worship our founding fathers and all of that stuff. Like, I don't doubt that, you know, they're as hurt and, um, you know, like terrified of like what is happening to our country as the rest of us are. But I think it would have been really great if they'd been a little bit more outspoken before, you yeah. know, our capital was under siege. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, they put before their... they just had to. Right. Yeah, they put their bets trainers. on. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say before they, you know, decided before they woke up and were like, oh, like now that this has happened, my political position is in danger. I better start distancing myself and try to save Mm -hmm. myself. I mean, a lot Mm -hmm. of this is definitely self-interest, you know, people making calculated decisions about what the best political move is for their own position, their own office. Uh, And now one thing to keep, sorry, one thing to keep in mind with the Republican Party is that that stuff's kind of ripping in half. Because what happened was, Trump basically walked in and take o- took over. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. were Republicans who questioned him, and he primaried them out, yep. like, fast. So as time went on, people got less and less emboldened to question him. Right. Yep, four years so in. So some of these people True. were, yeah, were kind of, like, forced into a corner. The only Republican I know of, the only two Republicans I know of that, like, questioned him at all and got away with it were John McCain and Mitt Romney. Mm-hmm. And McCain knew Mitt Romney, by the way. Sorry, Mitt Romney, by the way, did so while his niece was the chair of the of the RNC, was a very big Trump Trump supporter. Yeah, there's there's definitely divisions within the party before mm-hmm. Trump even took office, and a lot of those were overshadowed over his four years in power, and those issues still yep. exist. And so that and the same things happening in the Democratic Party, right? There's huge divisions in the party that now, with four years of Biden, we're going to see what what happens with that. But I mean, those issues from the Republican Party are, are going to be laid bare here pretty soon. They're they're, they're going to have to deal with that stuff. And this insurrection is just going, attempted coup, whatever, is going to you know exacerbate that. Well, I'm really curious to see over the next coming weeks, like what's going to happen. Um, but real quick, I want to wrap up on on uh, on Cruz. So back to the article, the 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 journalists are saying to be clear, Cruz received backup from his own party. So you know Tom Cotton was disagreeing, but he got plenty of support. Uh, while his initial coalition did not hold. He was still joined by several colleagues in objecting to the certification of the results in Arizona and Pennsylvania. Dozens of House members, including many Texans, which we'll go over here in a little bit, uh, objected in both cases. The state's senior senator, John Cornyn, which we'll want to use this to kind of transition into Cornyn, split decisively from Cruz, announcing that he would not object in a lengthy letter letter to Texans on Tuesday, specifically poo-pooing 
that's the term they use, uh, Cruz's emergency audit proposal. Uh, that contrast in particular heartened some Cruz supporters. So I thought this was kind of interesting. Ted Cruz will be a stronger force in the Texas GOP than Cornyn because of the way he has handled the last 30 days and because he does an answer to the same political elite that Cornyn does, said Luke Macias, a, count, a consultant for some of the Texas legislature's furthest right members. He says, uh, Democrats' insane calls for Cruz to step down have only made him politically stronger. So, I mean, whether or not that maintains, I mean, that, that very well could be the case. Um, I'm curious to see how that support will hold kind of as, as time goes on. But Cornyn. Denial. It, it may be, but he may, he may be right. You know, uh, this guy is pretty well, well in with, with the, the, the strongest right-leaning Republicans in Texas kind of knowing where they stand. So I imagine, like, Cruz is separating himself from Cornyn and showing that he's willing mm-hmm. to go all the way with all of this. And a lot, that's, that is kind of what a lot of the voters want to see. They want to see someone who's going to step out and do that, just, just like Trump, right? Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But Cornyn just got reelected, and Cruz is going to be up yeah. in four years. You know, we still got a, pl- a long time before, before he's up for reelection. Well, it's really, I mean, and he was reelected in, in 2018. So that's, is but that? Barely. Barely. But 18, 19, 20, 21. So he'll be, it'll be 2022 no, when no, he the, the, is up for reelection. Six year terms. Oh, six. Is yeah. that, is that four? No, senators have six year terms. Oh, son of a. Yeah. That fucking sucks. God damn it. So what? 20 So it won't be until 2024. Yeah, correct. Oh my god, this is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, yeah. so Cornyn. So he's distanced from Cruz. I don't have a, a ton of stuff to read about Cornyn, but he's just pretty much like taken the opposite approach he did before this happened and has continued to do so since it happened. Um he didn't object to the Arizona, you know, uh cer- certification. And he has publicly supported Pence, which I thought was interesting since there is such a big backlash uh, across essentially the whole mm-hmm. Republican Party towards Pence. Um, mm-hmm. Cornyn's standing with Pence. Uh, and he, he, so I was kind of like looking through his Twitter to kind of see what was going on with him. And he was posting things in support of tw- Pence. And then he was essentially like the past three or four days, like he pretty much just stopped talking about it after Thursday uh, and has just chosen instead to focus on the dead police officer. Uh, and like trying to garner support for his family and police organizations, kind of using what happened to like draw attention to police violence and kind of, I guess, drawing a comparison to what happened over the summer and like using this as a continuation of that, like protect our officers, stand with our officers. Uh, and then essentially just kind of went back to fear mongering about China and talking about <laughs> COVID. And that was, <laughs> that's, that's what he's business on right as now. usual. Yeah. So it is, yeah, very much business as usual for Cornyn. Uh, and yeah, so Cruz, Cruz is, is taking the, the hard core stance of just going all in with this and Cornyn uh, doubling down. Yeah, doubling down on Cornyn never, never went. And now he's even further distanced himself from him. So we'll see what that means yeah. for Texas, you know, the Republican Party here moving forward. This, I'm sure, will have consequences down the road. So that's all yeah. I've got. For I mean, the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say that I, I think that it's a really weird time, you know, obviously like for the Republican Party, but like, um, there's a lot of people who, even though they like were Trump supporters, and I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about like actual elected officials, but just, um, Republicans generally, like, 
I think a lot of actual Republicans like are really appalled at what happened this week and have kind of turned back, you know, their, um, you know, their stance on or turned back from their stance on on Trump and really supporting him. So like, I think that it could really go either way, you know, like, I think that there is a possibility that like, all of this is going to like blow up in Trump's face. Um, because like, not the entire Republican Party agrees with storming the Capitol and trying to like do a coup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that and that officer that died was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Like yeah. it oh wasn't God. like he was shot. Like he was like beat to death, like with a like a fire extinguisher. You know what I mean? And so um, and there's been a lot of talk about law enforcement, like just letting people in or whatever. Um, but it's and you know, you guys know I'm not one to defend law enforcement. Um, but like there are, I mean, they they really like a lot of them really were trying to fight off these people from entering the Capitol and doing all this property damage and stuff. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I, I couldn't imagine that like that doesn't leave a bad taste in a lot of Republicans mouth. You know what I mean? For sure. Um, Because I think it was like initially, like, I think they were, um, I think it's only, it's like 20 to like 40% of Republicans, um, like as of yesterday, were like in favor, like supportive of what happened. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so like, that's of Republicans. So like, Mm -hmm. um, I think that Cruz is really gambling in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's a risky gamble. (laughs) liability for for him. And it'd be a shame that the Democratic Party took advantage of that and turned Texas into Georgia number two. Exactly. Real shame. Damn, damn shame. Damn shame. <laughs> yeah. So Thomas, mm-hmm. you 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 covered the House Democrats, right? What do you what do you got yes. for us? All right. So obviously, most of the House Democrats are like impeach the mother. Um, like I didn't know this. You had you had House Democrats drafting articles of impeachment as these motherfuckers were like. Sorry, as these people are like running into the the capital, trying to storm into this thing, but I think it's cool. Also, um, how should I put this? Uh, I have a new man crush, and his name is Connor Lamb. Because uh, during the I forget which state it was, but while Republicans were you know trying to object to the certification. Um, Connor Lamb called them all out. He's like, I'm surprised you guys have the the audacity to do this in the first place, especially now. He's like, y'all don't deserve an ounce of respect. And they tried to have like his statement removed from the record, and Nancy Pelosi wasn't having it. Like these Republicans were triggered. They were crying and stuff. I was like, oh my God. This this man's amazing. Because he everything he said was true about this. He he he's basically the adult in the room, is what happened. <clears throat> And they got really mad, and then that's and and they were like, "He's saying false things that we encourage this violence and all this other stuff." Nancy Pelosi was basically just like, "Y'all literally say this about me every single day." <laughs> like, no. <laughs> um, what state is anyways, Lamb from? Uh, huh? What state is Connor Lamb? What, who, what does he? Pennsylvania. 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 Pennsylvania's been coming in hard, bro. That's also the <laughs> same. That's also the same state Lieutenant Governor Stone Cold, uh, I forget what his real name is, but that's a much better name, uh, from Pennsylvania is from. And he's the Lieutenant Governor who uh, has been harassing Dan Patrick because Dan mm-hmm. Patrick offered a $1 million reward for any, any uh, 
any evidence of widespread voter, voter fraud. fraud. Yeah. And they found two. Yeah, and yeah. oh yeah, he found loads because basically what happened was the state legislatures in Pennsylvania was Republican, and they tried to pass all these uh, these laws that would basically prevent groups that would normally vote Democrat from voting in the state. Mm -hmm. And then they were trying to rig things. Yeah, they were doing voter and suppression. So, and so he's like, oh, really? Here's your evidence. Where's my money? Yeah. Still hasn't gotten a response I don't know if it's, to that. Yeah. I don't know if it's, if, if it's still on there, but he keeps posting it like every single day. And it's just, that's funny. It's, it's so good. But anyways, um, most of the House Democrats I've seen, uh, at least over 100 of them, I think, um, are willing to sign articles of impeachment mm -hmm. um interestingly enough you do have some of them kind of walking it back the idea being that they're going to impeach him this week and then just not hand articles over to the senate after biden's 100 days mm. um i think that's a mistake because i, I think by that time you're not going to have the support you need mm -hmm. to uh to make that happen unless you have a like somehow managed to change the rules but i don't see that happening either yeah. um mcconnell has said he's not gonna at least while he's while he's still senate majority leader not gonna hold put those on the floor so like because I, I heard right. some people you know trying to get impeachment stuff by thursday and Mitch mcconnell was saying it's not gonna happen so well it's right. not even him trying to be like it's not gonna happen uh the way the senate rules work is the only way they can call senate back early is is by unanimous consent and if a single a single senator mm -hmm like Ted Zodiac Killer Cruz um, objects, they can't have one. So realistically speaking, yeah, just not they possible. couldn't. Yeah. Like mathematically speaking, and this is like getting rid of all the trials and everything. This is like if you wanted to really streamline this, um, you're looking at January 19th as the date mm. is the soonest, which I think is ridiculous because the last thing I've seen that was anything remotely like this was the impeachment of Andrew Johnson and honestly, what Johnson did was was mild compared to this. For the record, for yeah. those wondering, yeah. Andrew Johnson was not removed from office, but he was impeached. No, so I just want to be clear yeah. about that. Yeah. So the the way the process worked is there's an impeachment trial, and that's with the House, right? Mm -hmm. That's why Trump's been impeached, but he hasn't been removed from office because exactly. after you're impeached, it goes to the Senate. the The Chief Justice of the Supreme Court presides as the judge. And then they vote, and if at least a supermajority, which is two thirds of the of the yeah. Senate, votes to convict you, um, you're gone. Andrew Johnson escaped that by like one vote. Wow, one. Um, the benefit right now, I think, besides the the pressure on Senate Republicans, who I think actually I think you have to get a lot more GOP support in the Senate. And do the house to yeah. uh to impeach him is that uh david Perdue's term had actually expired before the georgia senate race so we technically only have 99 senators oh interesting. which means you only need 66 instead of 67 votes it gets you a little bit closer hmm. um most of the house most of the house gop is opposing uh impeachment at all yeah and this is oh this is so good this is this is, you actually had GOP congressmen, and I haven't looked further into this, but I, I can almost guarantee 
that before the coup, they were going to oppose the election results. Mm-hmm. Um, the GOP congressman writing to Biden, asking him to ask Nancy Pelosi not to seek impeachment out of a concern for unity for the country. Yeah. And I think that might have had some effect because it was like a day or two afterwards. They were talking about Tuesday instead of Monday and then the whole weighing 100 day thing. That's, which I think is the wrong thing because this is. I think it's absolutely the wrong thing. Well, this isn't just a partisan issue. This is a coup. Mm-hmm. Right. That is what this is. Hey, I want to real they quick to jump in. Sorry. I want, Sorry. I have this opinion that I just want to get out there that I think, I, I think it's an important characterization. This is, this yeah. was an attempted coup, but w- one thing that I noticed that was different about this coup compared to normal coups, which, you know, essentially is a seizure of power trying to overthrow a current regime to replace it with another one. This was like an anti-coup. This wasn't to overthrow anyone in power. This was to keep the current regime in power. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, that's never, I mean, I'm sure it's happened somewhere at some point, but to my knowledge, that's not how, that's not happened. And like, if the the, the most confusing thing to me about that is the people who were doing this have all of these problems that they have explained with our country, which a lot of those problems are our problems. The political establishment is corrupt. The media is bad and corrupt. Like there are mm-hmm. a lot of real problems that these people are seeing, but their their decision to like do X, Y, and Z about it is to me the wrong decision. But if you're fighting to keep the current regime in power, that's not going to fix any of those problems. That's just going to perpetuate all of the problems that we all see with this country so it's just like it's really an example of just like sheer ignorance and like a Mm -hmm. not knowing how the system works because even if you do this you can't stop them from passing the electoral votes the votes are the votes and but like but b but like if you even if you do succeed in this this isn't going to this isn't going to fix anything because you're just helping out the people who are already have been running this place the whole time right Right. so i don't know i just well as far as the, the the regime thing goes, that does happen. It just doesn't have initially. What normally happens is one regime takes over, yeah, and then a different one. Th- something happens to the head of that regime, and then there's a lot of infighting, and that's when you get who's trying to re- re- retain power and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of other did. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I mean, we haven't had something like this happen in in our country, but we perpetuate these types of things intentionally in other countries, and so like. You know, from like all there's like all these outsiders looking in who are like, "Hey, you guys like know this is like happening to you guys, right?" Like, it's like, uh, like, what do you mean you don't recognize like this is that there's like this one group like about to try to like you know like uphold their power or whatever? Like, there is a guy um on Twitter I can't remember what his name was, but he um I actually like saw his comment in this article by the Associated Press that was just talking about how um, other countries were responding to what happened on Wednesday. And this uh, guy who, um, I think he's a, I think he's from Iran and is, um, I don't know if he's like an, like an internalist in Iran or if he is actually like quite like a government official, but he was like, oh, like the United States has been working so hard to bring democracy to so many other countries that they ran all out of democracy at home. <laughs> and like, oh, like oh, they gave all their democracy away. Now they don't have any. Um, oh. And I was just like, yeah, that's ex- I, I can only imagine like what this looks like to, yeah. to other people. If you look at the way other fascist regimes get the power, it's it's almost everything the GOP has been doing. 
Um, oh, yeah. One thing is when you double speak, a lot of times what I've seen is they'll blame the other side for doing things they were actually planning on doing or in the middle of doing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's like Trump's like, like, like 101 playbook. Well, Thomas, you're, you're making me think of this, this, this thing that I read about a few months back. It's this written by this guy, Umberto Eco. It's called Ur Fascism. I recommend anybody who's interested in fascism and like, what is that? What does that mean? What are the characteristics of that? Like to go look it up. He, he, it's published in uh, the New York Review of Books in 1995, but Echo is, is from, uh, he, he, he was been around for a long time. I'm just going to read these points real quick, and you guys tell me yay or nay whether this sounds like how the Republican Party has been behaving for the past four years. Number one, okay. um, the first feature of Urfascism is the cult of tradition. I'm not going to read everything. Okay, cool. <laughs> Cult of tradition. Uh, number two, traditionalism implies the rejection of modernism. Yep. Yay. Number three, irrationalism also depends on the cult of action for action's sake, which you could just Yay. say Wednesday was that, right? Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Number four, no syncretic faith can withstand analytical criticism. Oh, definitely that one. <laughs> for earth fascism, disagreement is treason, like ending that, that section. Uh, number five. King Mike, does that does uh the Republican Party calling for hanging Mike Pence, or at least not the Republican Party, but Trump supporters, yeah, uh, getting yeah. hanged Mike right. Pence, uh, Mike Pence trending on Twitter, that counts, right? Yeah, Twitter right. had for those who don't know, Twitter had to take down the hashtag hang Mike Pence because it was trending, and they removed it. Um, so yeah, disagreement. I've been anyone who used that hashtag. Yeah. That's, that's that's probably the better call. Wait, um, great way to get blacklisted on the FBI. Yeah. So number five, um, the fear of difference, and so fascism mm -hmm. is, is racist by yeah. definition. Um, Definitely. Number six, or fascism derives from individual or social frustration, and appeal mm -hmm. to the frustrated mm -hmm. middle class. It's the same thing Hitler did with the frustrations of Germany. Uh, number seven, yep. people who feel deprived of a clear social identity which I think we could talk about that for an hour. I think that's super interesting. Obs <laughs> obsession with a plot being a, a part of number seven, essentially trying to find your identity with these conspiracy the theories. Yeah. Number yeah. eight, followers must feel humiliated by ostensus wealth and the force of their enemies. Enemies at the same time are too strong and too weak. Like strong when it when mm -hmm. it when it you play victim when they're too strong, but then you call them weak. Right. You know, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Right. They're they're Satan worshiping, you know, like evil people that have all this power behind the scenes, but also look at the weak Democrats. Exactly. Like, like mm -hmm. they can't do anything. Like exactly. we're stronger than they are. Um, number mm -hmm. nine. For Earth fascism, there is no struggle for life, but rather life is lived for struggle. Uh pacifism is trafficking with the enemy. And life is permanent warfare. Um, that you could that one's maybe debatable. I don't, I don't know. Uh, number ten, elitism is a typical aspect of any reactionary ideology. Contempt for the weak, and uh, this 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 contempt for the weak reinforces the sense of mass elitism. Uh, We're done being weak. We have to be strong now. Yeah, Trump's exactly. very words right before that that mob hit. Wow! Mm -hmm. Wow! Great point. Mm -hmm. Uh, number 11, in such a perspective, everybody is educated to become a hero. This is the cult of Ugh. heroism and is strictly linked with the cult of death. Um, number uh, number the, 12. The COVID situation. Oh, like wow. People are calling it a death cult. Oh, my gosh. That's another really good point. Number 12, uh, Earth Fascist transfers his will to power to sexual matters through, like, machismo. 
Um, number, hate cheese. <laughs> number 13, Ur fascism is based upon a selective populism. Individuals av- as individuals have no rights. And people is conceived as a quality, a monolithic ent- entity expressing the common will. It's like this abstract concept sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Not really talking about real individual people. Uh, TV or internet populism in which the emotional response of the selected group of citizens can be presented and accepted as the voice of the people. The emotional would you, response. Would you tie that one to like the, the disgusting rise? Well, well, but like the disgusting rise of reality television. You could. I mean, and really. Who they, and who they like really play to, you know what I mean? Or try to appeal to. I'm sorry that I'm pulling this out completely out of nowhere. This is not what we were planning on talking about on the politics on this <laughs> podcast, but Amber, are are you saying that part of the reason Donald Trump came to power is because is because MTV stopped showing music and kept showing Jersey Shore? Because I'll co-sign that. Well, that yeah, and that <laughs> I mean he, the fact I'm that he was saying that's the sole reason, but I'm not going to say that's not like directly related. <laughs> I mean, he's a reality TV. Star. I was thinking more like Survivor. And um, that's, like, where, that's where it started. Other... But you can follow a line like... from Survivor to The Apprentice, right? <laughs> and I mean, yeah. what were Big Brother? That yeah. one was uh, what were I trying to think of? Like yeah. Dance Moms, like you know, all that stuff. And I then finally, know. my last one, my last one, and this is to your point, Thomas. Number fourteen, air fascism speaks news speak from Orwell's nineteen eighty four in order to limit mm-hmm. the instruments for complex and critical reasoning which they seem to have done. So I don't, I'm sorry I pulled that yeah. completely out of nowhere, and that wasn't what we came here to yeah. talk about, but you brought up a really good point, and, and it made me think of that. So I wanted to get that information out there. Oh, well, that's it, a good thing you did that because it helped me remember what the O for fascist bingo was. I'm surprised it wasn't <laughs> uh, a strong call for nationalism. America mm-hmm. first, y'all. Yep. We yes. have to be strong. Ah. America first, mm-hmm. but also let's do as many uh, interventionist behaviors as we can. Exactly. Exactly. So, Thomas, yeah. do you have any more on the House Democrats before we move on? Uh, I think that the Democrats are likely going to be seeking impeachment this week. There's going to be articles, so many people calling for that. Um, I think you're going to have a big stink in the G- in the from the GOP. In there, uh, I know. I think Nancy Pelosi is probably hell bent on making this happen, um, and I think that if they did try to, to wait a hundred days, I think that'd be a mistake because, yeah. like you said, they're just going to act like Democrats are weak. You need to show strength right now, like one hundred percent. Like I would be censuring the GOP congressman who challenged the election or been calling for Trump. I would be censuring Cruz. And Howley, um, the only way that makes sense is if you use it as a collateral and say, "Hey, if y'all don't confirm this, this is coming. This is this is what's going to happen." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I've got some stuff on the House Republicans. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but as yeah. far as the Texas, uh, as far as the Texas House Republicans, that's all, those are the ones I'm going to refer to. Are the ones that are specifically here in Texas. It's been Dan Crenshaw and Louis Gohmert who've been the most outspoken in regards to this. Uh, Dan Crenshaw is, of course, from the second district, uh, which is down by Houston. It's like his actually, if you go look up his district, it's the most gerrymandered district in the state of Texas. It's it's a maybe in the country. It's pretty bad. Um, it's the worst. Anyways, he's it's the like, guy. It, it literally is like the shape of a horseshoe. 
Yeah. And if you guys aren't familiar with Dan Crenshaw, he's the guy with the eye patch. You may have seen that guy. That's that's him. Mm-hmm. Um, he essentially distanced himself from Cruz. And he was on Fox News, I want to say Thursday, Thursday or Friday, pretty recent Friday. It was Friday, pretty recently. And and he was interviewed and he so he's essentially distancing himself from Cruz and didn't ad- advocate to overturn votes or anything. And he did this thing where he's like acting disgusted with the country, acting very disappointed and upset about what was going on. And then towards the end of the interview starts repeating the same type of fear mongering rhetoric that brought us to this place in the first place, like still started saying that the election process was kind of shady and like not very good, even though like out, talking out of both sides of his mouth, essentially, um, but still yeah. trying That's to disappointing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I like that he did is that he at least like came out and said specifically like, you know, these and he was referring to Ted Cruz, but he said, you know, these Republican politicians have been completely lying to all of these people all this time, saying that the election could be overturned and saying that um, that, you know, um, January 6th was going to be like this huge day of reckoning and, you know, telling people that, you know, this is their, you know, this is our 1776, like, this is not mm-hmm. going to be, like, a revolution, like, and he actually, like, came out and, like, called out Ted Cruz for doing that, and, and you know, as well as, like, Trump and other politicians and stuff, and I was um, kind of proud of him for doing that, because, like, he's not a person that normally does that, and, of course, it's really self-serving, but at least he was, like, admitted that the whole thing was a big sham, and you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is true, mm-hmm. but that's what was disappointing to me is he did that, and then immediately after saying that was like, but there still are questions with our electoral process that we need to fix, and like, and it's just I don't know. It was kind of and these states need to change their policies and blah blah. blah. Yeah, he was really yeah. advocating right. for change I, at the state level. On the whole voter fraud thing, I just I have to say this: um, I do not want to hear a damn word out of Republicans' mouth about how the voting system is screwed up. <laughs> They gutted the Voting Rights Act. You know that thing John mm-hmm. Lewis almost died trying to get passed? Yes. That mm-hmm. thing? The Republicans are the ones who have been systematically trying to get rid of it ever since. Yeah. Yep. And they've recently, like, gutted the crap out of it. And then, like, to the point where that was one of the main reasons, you know, when Obama did John Lewis's eulogy, he was he was calling for people to vote. He was calling for, you know, the some of the stuff to be restored. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, this, it... They can't have their cake and eat it too. No, I know, and they're trying. They're right? absolutely trying to. Um, yeah, Gomert, Louis. The Gomert. has no clothes, and their party is dying. I said it. <laughs> I hope. I True. hope that. I hope that's. The, we'll see. We still have to see, but I, I hope that's that's the case. So, like, um, Gomert essentially said on January first. So we can kind of point back to him being one of the first people advocating for violence, like on over a yeah. week ago. He said, "Quote." Basically, in effect, the ruling, I'm going to do it, I'm going to try and do it as impersonation. Basically, in, in effect, the ruling would be that you got to go to the streets to be as violent as Antifa or BLM. And talking about the ruling, um, specifically saying that he, they wouldn't be able to get involved or overturn these electoral votes or whatever. It was like one of the court rulings, one of the hundreds of court rulings or whatever that we're trying to. Uh, you know, talk about voter voter fraud or all this stuff. Not, not, you know. And so he's saying, well, since this this one was knocked down, no, this is the number number seventy or whatever. This one was knocked down. 
basically what we have to do is go to the streets and be as violent as Antifa or BLM. Um, and then he is also the guy who, on Wednesday, when the, he, he condemned the violence on Twitter while it was going on on Wednesday, like a lot of other people did. But then at the same, he said, please, no more violence. It only hurts our cause. Kind of bringing it back to that, like, you're just making us look bad. But then he was like, you mean bludgeoning a police officer to death is hurting their cause? <sighs> Who could have no. guessed? But he's the guy that you can kind of point to that brought up a hammer and sickle tattoo and was saying, ah, but, but yes. also, look, there are some communist, you know, tankies here that are, are Antifa people that are infiltrating this, and they're also trying to do this, too. It's not all good Republicans. You mean the verified white nationalist that was that was identified like by people before the <laughs> happened? Yes, that guy. <laughs> and so to to those because I've heard that I I was arguing with people yesterday on Instagram about the the hammer and sickle tattoo, and I want everyone mm. to be aware that's from a video game. The guy who had that tattoo on his hand, you can find this on the internet. The game is called Dishonored, which I'd never heard of or knew about or even played. But you can find screenshots of the game. You can find screenshots of this hand tattoo, which is from the game. And it, it doesn't look anything like a hammer and sickle. Like, I can see why you would maybe think that from a distance of a, of a bad photo or something like that. But, like, that's not what it was. So, Gomer's just wrong. There were no Antifa commies amongst these people trying to infiltrate, you know, trying to let, set, set them up, essentially, right? Like, oh, let's just set up all these, all these Trump supporters. That, that's not what happened. And then I'll go ahead and wrap up the rest of this with essentially saying, um, of our 36 Texas House representatives, 17 of them, um, 17 of the Republicans still objected with the Arizona uh, ruling. Six of them, however, didn't. Um, Kay Granger being one of those. And she kind of claimed it was because of her recent COVID thing that she, she just didn't vote. Didn't vote, no, but did, just didn't vote. Just abstained. <laughs> um, but the people who did was Jody Arrington from the 19th District, which is in West Texas around like Lubbock and Abilene. Michael Burgess from the 26th district, who's Denton County. Uh, Brian Babin from the 36th district, who's like that district is like Southeast Houston and some of the eastern suburbs of Houston. Uh, John Carter from the 31st district, which is north of Austin and encompassing Fort Hood. Michael Cloud from the 27th district, which is near the Texas coast, encompassing Corpus Christi, Victoria, and then all the way up to Bastrop, which is near San Antonio. It's this weird, big district. Um... Pat Fallon from the 4th District, which is northeast of DFW all the way up to Texarkana. Um, Lance Gooden from the 5th District, which is east Dallas and east of Dallas. Uh, Ronnie Jackson from the 13th District, which is Amarillo, Gainesville, Wichita Falls, and most of the Panhandle. It's a huge district. Uh, Troy, Noll, Troy Nels from the 22nd District, which is like south-central Houston and, and west of Houston, kind of outside of the loop down there. Uh, uh, August Fluger from the 11th District, which is central west Texas, encompassing Midland and Odessa, and then reaching all the way over to Granbury, actually. Um, Pete Sessions from the 17th District, which is Waco all the way to College Station and essentially like the central Texas east of 35. Beth uh, Van Dwin, which I had never heard of her, but she's a local rep. Beth Van Dwin is from the 24th District, which is the north central area of DFW, like kind of surrounding the airport and the mid cities area. And she, and Irving, it also encompasses Irving. And she used to be the mayor of Irving, actually. She still opposed the, the, 
Amber, I keep getting the terminology wrong. What, what, what am I trying to say? She objected. Objected. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I can't get that right. Randy Weber from the 14th District, uh, which is essentially like the coast around Houston, encompassing Beaumont to Freeport and Galveston, uh, which was Ron Paul's old district, for those of you who remember Ron Paul. Uh, Roger Williams from the 25th District, which encompasses Burleson, all the way down to Austin, west of 35. And closing us That's out, huge. Fort Worth's own Ron White, District 6 which is Southeast Fort Worth and then Ellis County and, and Na Navarro County, essentially middle Othean and Corsicana and stuff. So those were the 17 representatives in Texas that still chose to support in some way, shape or form these actions. After the fact. You know, yeah. You know, you know what would have been nice? If we had Trey Holcomb instead, instead of Kay Granger. Right. That'd be nice. Yeah. He would have spoken yeah. out. For yeah. Sure. I'd love to know. We got to get him got on super, soon. super depressed just now because I can't drink Ranger. I'm from Hunt County. And not only is one of the guys you mentioned, uh, what's this trader's name? Um, oh, did I say that out loud? Um, not only did Pat Fallon vote for it, but the guy before him, John Ratcliffe, um, he's actually now the director of national intelligence for the Trump administration. Oh, wow. Oh man, go figure. So okay, so that's the that's the U.S. Con U.S. House and their stuff. So, Christy, would you like to share us a more local perspective of of these um, events? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I've got the the mayor and council people. Um, just there. Some of them posted on social media. Um, after it, some people didn't. Some people are old and don't even have social media. Um. <laughs> True. Or any interest in connecting with their constituents, apparently. Double um, true. Yeah. Um, but Is it a vampire? <laughs> How'd you know? <laughs> um, Lucky guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to do them just in order of council districts, starting with the mayor, uh, District 1. Um, she tweeted day of, uh, I'm horrified by what is happening in our nation's capital. It is devastating that our country has become this fractured. Violence is never the answer. It is my hope and prayer that cooler heads will prevail and we will have a peaceful transition of power. Please pray for our nation. Mayor Betsy. She Mayor signed Betsy. it off. <laughs> <laughs> like, like no one knew. Like we didn't know it was. Yeah, her. it's on her Twitter. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Glad she's gone. But I guess she she wanted us to know that this was not anybody tweeting for her, which yeah. apparently, like, good to know. If you see a tweet that's not signed off, it probably wasn't. Then her. we then we know. That's actually that's how yeah. we know. That's actually a good point. I yeah. mean, that's that's expected, right? Isn't that? Did anybody expect her to say anything else besides that? No. Yeah, no. I mean, politically I mean, speaking, she she had no other other option. Yeah. I wouldn't have been like super surprised if she had, you know, made some sort of like analogy yeah. to like BLM or you know something like mm. that. Like, I mean, yeah. like that's actually like a a better oh. response than what I would have been prepared for. Yeah. Okay. That's um. There were some the worse whole, ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole oh, comparison yeah. to BLM, that's coming. That's coming. Because I guarantee you that if she's not retiring, she's running for higher office. And after this this thing foils over after in you know, like a month or two, she's going to be way, way less dismissive than she is right now. She's too connected to Trump. Mm. If she has any hope, she's got to connect with the Republicans that think this was a good idea. 
Yeah. yeah, she's probably gonna like hold out and see how it all turns out for the Republican Party because yeah, we still don't know for sure, you know. Which is the yeah. smart thing to do, honestly. Yeah, smart, smart. Yeah, for sure. Um, so so that was her stance. Uh, Carlos Flores of District Two, um, he tweeted an ABC News link, um, just an update about the Capitol being breached. Um, and, and that woman being shot, um, he says, what is happening at our nation's capital must be condemned as Americans. We must not let our differences divide us. Many in our society seek to undo the fabric of our, of our union and form a government. Oh, in form of government. Sorry. Reason must prevail over base impulses. Please continue to pray for our nation. Which I'm just loving the the um like lack of of like really saying anything about like Mm -hmm. political parties or or anything but you know what he 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 said something it's you know saying something without saying anything yeah (laughs) yeah um something he's not gonna get cookie though he's a he's a leader i expect more out of him right yeah should hold him to higher standards yeah Um, so that was his, his take on this, um, Brian Byrd of district three said the violence in Washington DC today was heartbreaking. Every individual has a constitutional right to peaceful protest, but violence is never a viable solution to any situation. My prayers are with the law enforcement who are responding to these violent demonstrations. Okay. Yep. I mean, that's a good the, the focus yeah. on law enforcement you know that's not surprising i mean yeah I, 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 yeah there there was several people were, were focusing on on law enforcement as opposed to like the desecration of our like capital and uh and, and yeah the attempt to to tear down our democracy Carrie Moon uh, did not say anything. Um, he's got a, a Twitter, and I could not find a Facebook for him. Um, but the last thing that he tweeted was about his family vacation. That's disappointing. Nothing? You got nothing? Nothing. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, Gina Bivens uh, did not... Uh, sorry, Carrie Moon of District 4. Uh, Gina Bivens of District 5 um, didn't say anything directly regarding uh, the riots. Um, let's see. She she tweeted something like a few days after about mold exposure okay. getting tested. Um, and then she and then she shared uh, today, actually, uh, she retweeted George Conway's uh, if I were a government attorney and the president asked me to prepare pardon papers at this point, I'd be seriously concerned about being drawn into a criminal criminal conspiracy if I complied. Um, so she that is her only um, comment regarding this whole situation is she retweeted that and said free advice from Mr. Conway. Winky face. Wow. That's a pretty yeah. good point. That's interesting. Yeah. Points for Gina? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jungus Jordan has no um like public social media. <laughs> social media. <laughs> he is a vampire. His his Twitter's private and his Facebook um like is his just Twitter a personal account private? that you have to 
You have to be friends with I him to see anything on his Facebook. Yeah, I don't think he made this stuff. I honestly think someone else was running it. It would not surprise me if this man is still on dial-up, all right? Because once again, this man's at least 300 years old. There's no, you, you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> There's yeah, no way. His handle is Jungus Jordan Fort Worth. Um, he, his, he's got a link to his website, uh, fortworthtexas.gov slash district six. Okay. Which is his website, apparently. Um, so he is, it is, it is him and he is connecting himself as the council district, um, for, or as a councilman for, for district six, but, um, he has no public opinions that he would like to share with us. All right. Yep. Well. Uh, Dennis Shingleton from District 7 um, also has nothing to say. He has not posted anything on Facebook since uh, July of 2019, um, and he doesn't have a Twitter. And I couldn't find it. Uh, I also looked up the websites for all these people just in case they like post like news bulletins or anything on there, mm-hmm. and, and there's nothing um, at all relevant wow. to any of this. So he doesn't really use the social media, so I can't I can't get mad at Shingleton for that. You know, yeah, he's, he's not active. It's not like he's he just doesn't use that platform, you know. Yeah, and and yeah, like many grandpas. I don't know if he's a grandpa, but you know he's got those. Probably. think so. Those vibes. Yeah. Isn't uh, he like some big army general too? Or wasn't he some big army general or something like that? I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. Yeah. I think he was. I think he's like a really highly decorated uh, military veteran. All right. Um, Kelly Allen Gray of District 8 um, at around, let's see, military time. Hold on. Um, at around two. four um, on, on January 6th said, uh, sad day for our democracy. When people show you how they are, believe them. Somehow we knew this day was coming. It should not have caught us by surprise. Thank you to the Washington, D.C. Police Department and Capitol Police for working to restore peace. Praying for the safety of our federal leadership who are, in quotes, seriously working to do the business of our country. Hashtag U.S. Capitol down. Base. So that's just a little bit of tea there. In quotes, seriously. Yeah. I like Working to do the business of our country. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's then, weird. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's weird? I'll, I'll say my thing afterwards. Okay. Oh, um, the more I see from Gray and Bivens, the more I have mixed emotions because a lot of the stuff I've seen him do, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm curious, right? And then they'll do stuff like this. And now I don't know if they're just trying to save face or if they're trying to work within the system and they don't feel like they have the latitude speak out louder Hmm. like let's say we turned fort worth blue and they had more support rather than just those two sometimes when good people are in the room and data Mm -hmm. i wonder how how that would affect their voting Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point i i think that um both of them have good stances in some areas um they're I think also that Kelly Allen Gray reddest... is being genuine in that, at least mm. in, in her take on this, for sure. Yeah. Well, they're in yeah, one of the sure. red, reddest sections of the nation. I mean, this is conservative ground zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. 
Um, and Zeta, I actually have not been able to find anything that she said, um, which I, I'm a bit surprised by. Uh, yeah. And Zeta of District 9. Um, she wasn't in the Star she... Telegram article either. They didn't have anything for her. Yeah. Um, on on the 6th um, at like like the evening of the 6th, she uh, she posted on Facebook uh, regarding the police chief finalists. Um, but but nothing about the incidents from that day. Well, maybe she's really busy because she's like putting together her um, campaign for mayor. Maybe. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. If you think about it, she's not going to be able to win if she's that dismissive of Republicans. She's going to yeah. need like I, I love yeah. Fort Worth. I love Anzada. She's going to need to be a little more centrist on this if she's going to pull this off. Maybe that's why I shouldn't see anything. Yeah. That's also the smart move. Yeah, I mean, staying out of the spot there, it's hard to stay in the spotlight right now because so much is going on, but mm -hmm. staying out of it isn't going to hurt you at this moment. There's too much other stuff to pay attention to. Yeah. No. Oh, no, what happened Sorry. to Christy? Oh, okay. <laughs> I apologize for this audio quality, but I directly into the phone. What happened? Find my chart. Oh, my you're... Laptop. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh no. That's all right. I meant to grab my charger beforehand. It wasn't where I thought it was. Uh, anyway, sorry, not to. But yeah, I, I would be interested in hearing from Anzada essentially like asking her about it because I don't want to like I don't want to attack anyone else for not saying anything and then not attack Anzada because we like her. It's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a good mm -hmm. point. But yeah, yeah, she definitely should have said something here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree too. Okay, well, we'll Anzada, let... we, we want to hear from you. <laughs> Let's. Uh... I'm gonna pretend like. Yeah, I'm gonna pretend like Anzada listens to our podcast, and I'm gonna say, yeah. Anzada, we would like to hear from you on this issue. Yeah, I still need to call her to tell her that I want her here. So I will, uh, while I'm on the phone, I'll ask for a statement. There you go. Okay, well, Christy, while you're working on that, uh, let's go ahead and have Amber do some stuff, and we can come back to you, Christy, to finish up. Um. Okay. So, wow, I have a lot actually. Um. So I will begin with um with talking about um, the state representative. So these are our um, state congressmen and state sen senators um, for the state of Texas. And a lot of people actually came out and took a stance um, one way or the other. Um, so I'll start with State Representative uh, Beverly Powell. Um, she's a Democrat from here in Fort Worth. And she called the events at the Capitol, quote, an appalling assault on democracy, decency, and the principles on which our country was founded. For too long, we have taken our precious republic for granted. I implore Cruz and others in D.C. not to, um, oh wait, I uh, Im implore Cruz and others in D.C. to abandon any attempt to block the certification of the Electoral College and to cease rhetoric that inflames violence and to demonstrate true allegiance to the Constitution of the United States of America, end quote. Which I thought was like pretty based of Beverly Powell to come out. And I don't know exactly 
when she released that statement. I'm thinking it might have, it must have been in the interim from when the siege took place and um, when they went back and picked back up on um, the electoral votes and all of the objections and stuff. Um, obviously, Cruz did not heed her comments <laughs> or her statements um, and ended up, uh, um, you know, objecting for the certification of Joe Biden's presidency anyways. But um, all in all, I was pretty, I was pretty impressed with her statement. And I read that one first because it was my favorite. Um, and so also, um, so then I have uh, State Representative Matt Krause from Fort Worth. Um, let's see. I believe he, I, I think, I don't want to be wrong on this. I think that he is Republican. I didn't make a note of if he was Republican or Democrat, and I'm actually not familiar with Matt Krause. Um, so I'm not, I'll I can't out. confirm which party he's with. Does anybody know? I'll find out. Um, okay. Well, he shared a uh, screenshot that Trump had made about prosecuting protesters in Portland over the summertime. And he said that the same thing should happen to the protesters at the Capitol and uh, that they should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, every single person. Um, and so he was like, you know, because, you know, Trump over the summertime was like tweeting every five seconds about the BLM protesters across the country and, you know, deployed um, the National Guard to Portland um, to defend the federal building and, and all that stuff. Um, and I think it, it's been brought up that um, over the summer, Trump signed an executive order saying that if you damage federal property, it's an automatic 10 year sentence in federal prison. Um, and so this individual, I believe, was saying was just kind of bringing that back up and uh, reminding us all that that Trump has uh, has set that precedent. So, um, so yeah, uh, Matt Kraus from Fort Worth. Uh, another person. Um, let's see, that's a spokesperson. So I'll come back to that one. Um, so then we have State Representative um, Chris. Oh my God, I can't read my handwriting. I think it's Chris Turner. Chris Turner, Democrat from Grand Prairie. Sorry, Chris. Um, I, I don't know exactly what his last name is. Dang it. Um, but he said that the actions were sickening and shocking and said that Cruz and Paxton will forever be remembered for their unpatriotic actions on this dark day in American history. Um, which I thought was was, you know, which I like, because I agree. Um, then we have State Representative Charlie, uh, it's either Jaron or Jaron, I think it's pronounced Jaron. Um, he's a Republican from here in Fort Worth. Um, he said that peaceful people have had the right to be there, and it's the criminal ones that are there, that there's no excuse for them. So, hmm. kind of a, a candid, uh, candid take. Cross is Republican, but, by the way. He is Republican? Yeah. Okay. All right. So Matt Krause, Republican, like keeping it real. Let me make a note. Um, then we have um, Representative Ramon Romero uh, from here in Fort Worth. Um, and he, mm -hmm. who may be taking, uh, may be making a run for Fort Worth City Mayor um, in light of Betsy announcing that she's not running again, 
uh, I'm reminded of what, uh, like Tommy said a few minutes ago, um, about Antheta and um, being centrist on this issue or whatever. Um, he said uh, that it's hyperpartisan, uh, that hyperpartisanship is to blame. This is what hyperpartisanship leads to. So many that just accept this act as Trump and his followers just being Trumpian should know that political rhetoric is dangerous. And so he's basically just saying that the country is just like too divided and both of these different directions. And if we would kind of come back together and be more centrist, I guess, mm -hmm. then, you know, this wouldn't have happened. And so like I was keeping in mind, you know, that he's making this statement like right after announcing that he may be running for mayor. And so um, I'm wondering if he maybe really is typically this centrist. No, he or... usually speaks out on online. He's pretty public about his opinions online for the most mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a smart yeah. move. to, to That's an easy criticism to make. Hyperpartisanship. Like you can say that and nobody yeah. will really disagree with you. Yeah. And he still like specifically says like this is like Trumpians and, you know, their rhetoric, you know, he's still, 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 you know, talking about the inflammatory, the inflammatory nature of, of how, uh, of how Trump and, you know, certain Republicans have been acting all this time. And so, um, so then that's all I have for um, the actual US or not US, but uh, the state senators and state congressmen. Um, I have a statement that was put out by the, um, I'll actually, I'm going to start with the statement that was put out by um by the democratic party of texas or is it i think it's just like called texas democrats but the oh my gosh sorry i'm in the same boat as anthony with my papers being kind of disorganized take your time i can edit out the silence it's fine okay aha uh -huh. so a spokesperson from texas democrats said uh in re in reference to paxton and cruz um that texas officials are trying to undermine the will of the people in order to score points with their violent base and i thought that was like basically point. the most accurate take <laughs> yeah. on the whole thing because that's exactly what's happening that's who, exactly who what's said happening. that um this was a spokesperson um oh, from the, the texas, texas Dem from texas democrats i actually don't have his name uh, written down but okay. i can look it up and we can i got it we can link it okay um and so i like that and so um then the republican party of texas uh came out and um condemned the violence and um let's see like they, they just came out and condemned the violence but um you know we have to keep in mind as we covered and you know, a couple of podcasts ago that just a few weeks ago, the chairman, um, Alan West, was like calling for Texas and other Republican states to secede uh, from the union and the states that wanted to, quote, like follow the Constitution or uphold the Constitution were like literally talking about breaking off from the country together um, to oppose the election results that were, in fact, valid. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought it was like, you know, like, like this is like the part of texas where it's like like what are these people going to like actually do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you know like how like they're going like like this is where we see like the stark contrast from like okay like you know like they were like fully like 
I'll say balls deep in, you know, this election fraud thing and then turning around and being like, well, we condemn the violence, you know, but like making no, you know, connection to like what their role was Mm -hmm. in inciting this violence. And like, that's what I have a, a problem with, like when it comes to like these Texas politicians in particular, because like, I think our state is like the most complicit in all of this. Yeah. In my opinion. And, and and for our state representatives who are responsible for that and responsible for these deaths and as responsible for, you know, this assault on our democracy um, to just come out and be like, oh, well, we don't like violence and we support police officers, but like not making any connection to like, you know, like they could have said, you know, we were wrong. We lied to everybody, yeah. you know, like, but it's not taking accountability at all. And I think it's a bunch of bullshit, basically. Yeah. Um, but it like. Is. But then, but then, um, they had to remove their sergeant of arms, Walter West II, um, which I didn't even know that they had a sergeant of arms or, you know, I'm assuming that role is what it sounds like. Uh, But they had to remove this dude because, and now they're distancing themselves from him because after, after the fact, after the, um, the siege took place, um, he posted on Twitter, quote, you accepted Antifa, all capital letters, burning down your cities. Now deal with these guys taking back all caps, our house, exclamation point. So he actually came out like verbally supporting. Wow. Um, this is he related and, to Alan West? I don't I don't know. That's why I was wondering, because like Alan West is the dude who was like who was the head. He is still the head of the Republican or the chairman of the Texas Republican Party. And this mm-hmm. guy's Walter West the second. So I honestly I don't know if the two of them are related. Um, can, we, can we Google that? I don't want to like yeah, mess I got up it. by you as my by the way, just this so the Texas Democrats staff page is is down. So I can't find the spokesperson. Sorry. But yeah. I, oh, that's okay. What's his name? West the second? Walter um, West the second. Um and so while you're looking that up. Um, I want to get in to the governor. Well, okay, let's see. I have, okay. We'll just briefly discuss Abbott, Greg, Governor Greg Abbott's like lack of a stance on this whole thing. Um, the only, I, I just barely, barely found a, a statement, if you want to call it a statement. And he basically condemned the violence, mayhem, and disrespect for law enforcement. And he has been silent on twitter about this like he is normally like repost like retweeting trump's tweets like every like like three tweets a day like oh like trump trump law and order and and abbott's like yeah law and order like i support president trump in every single thing that he says and does like he is like one of the biggest trump simps and he has like been totally silent like since the siege happened and just barely made like a little you know like half-assed statements if you want to even call it that hasn't said anything like officially hasn't released anything like hasn't done a press conference hasn't said anything which i think is so ridiculous especially after we led that fucking lawsuit Mm -hmm. against the against you know the electoral college or whatever trying to sue all these other states like we were talking about did he say anything about that then it would get taxed and wetted he hasn't said oh like was he part of the lawsuit yeah, or, was he like or did he make did he make that? a statement on it? Did he make a statement I, on it? 
I don't recall if he made a statement about it or not, but I figure either way, if his attorney or elected attorney general, I guess, if his yeah. attorney general is doing that and Ted Cruz is doing that, like he should still say something. You know what I mean? But he's like, but he's, not. he's hiding it's in his bunker. Yeah, it's interesting. We're also talking about Alan West here because uh, there was a lawsuit in Texas because Greg Abbott extended. Uh, I think he extended like drive, the, time, the time frame for like drive through voting or early voting. Mm-hmm. And it's specifically in uh, mm-hmm. Harris County where it's right. really blue. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Alan West turned around and tried to sue him to try to for stop doing it. That. That's right. Uh, it appears yeah. that Walter West II is white. So I'm assuming he's not related, but who knows? It's possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Abbott hasn't really said anything. He's like staying, staying silent, um, not jumping ship, but not endorsing the violence. What a great leader, guys. What a great leader. Yeah. So, um, oh, and I guess it's worth noting, um, you know, former U.S. President George Bush, um, is mad about the siege and, um, he, uh, let's see, um, yeah, he's come out and made a statement on it. And I, I I don't know why. I didn't write down what his statement was. All I wrote in my notes was that Bush is mad about it. Um, and so that's all uh that's all I really have for him. But I was like, I was like, you know, like, oh, well, at least Bush is coming out and like talking talking about this, even though Governor Greg Abbott won't really say anything other than the fact that violence is bad. Children violence is bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's pretty much like all all Abbott has said. Yeah. Um look I I was not a George W. Bush fr- fan, but if this happened under his presidency, oh man, uh, those rioters never would have left the freaking building. So here's his quote. Yeah. Now by phone is Republican Senator oh, no. Rand Paul Sorry, of I'm Kentucky, not trying to play the video. He- My bad. His quote is, I'm appalled by the reckless behavior of some political leaders since the election and by the lack of respect shown today for our institutions, our traditions, and our law enforcement, Bush said in a statement. The violent assaults on the Capitol and disruption of a constitutionally mandated meeting of Congress was undertaken by people whose passions have been inflamed by falsehoods and false hopes. Boom. Oh, that's, actually, that's actually a pretty good statement. That's a pretty good statement. Mm. It's kind of long. That's probably why I didn't write it down. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it is worth noting that even though Abbott hasn't really said very much on the whole thing, that he did um, like swiftly shut down the the state capital of texas because um yeah that's true there there were people there were trump supporters like at the state capital like doing a rally yeah, there were hundreds and yeah and so uh as soon as like stuff like started popping off like at the at the federal capital or at the um you know our nation's capital abbott was like all right let's go ahead and shut down the texas state capital so they like shut the whole thing down um, and a few other states did as well, mm-hmm. um, including Georgia. And apparently shit got really out of hand. And uh, in the evening, there was like some violence at the Georgia state capitol um, that was done on, on, you know, by Trump supporters and like Proud Boys, whatever, all of those guys. And um, so Abbott did shut down the capitol. Um, so I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about Kim Paxton, you know, like as we have discussed Kim Paxton is um basically just like trying to get trump's attention and uh get a pardon from donald trump for his securities uh fraud charges and now his more recent charges that we did a whole podcast about that if you 
episodes back if you um, are interested in learning more about who Ken Paxton is and what all the controversy is about. Um, but he actually was speaking at the rally right before the um, right before the seat. The I'm I'm calling it a siege because okay. to me that's what it looked like. Um, but like right before uh, she started popping off, he was like one of the guest speakers at the actual rally. Um, and, uh, was, you know, like not using like overtly inflammatory language, but was like, you know, like really kind of like psyching people up, you know, saying like, you know, like you guys have to, like, we all have to fight and keep fighting. See, but that, um, that term they're, the, they're using dog whistles, right? You can say fight right. and that can mean a bunch yep. of different things to a bunch of different people. And the way right. that was at the rally right before they marched to the Capitol. So when you're talking about fighting for something and like, let's go march and go get it, right? Like that's right. Trial by combat, like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was like, We're Texans, like we're Americans, we're strong, like, you know, go fight, fight for our country, like blah blah blah, sort of thing. Um, and then and then afterwards, um, you know, he is basically saying that um you know i guess like saying that um you know like the, the same the same thing everybody else is doing like oh like violence is not the answer um you know like you can you know you, like you can do patriotism and not do violence and denouncing you know the same thing that all of the other republicans are saying but he's not jumping ship but you know he's still not like coming out and being like like trying to distance himself from Trump or anything is basically just like announcing, denouncing the outcomes of what happened. And again, you know, not like making any sort of connection between like the lawsuit that he led that was like a huge lie, you know, um, not making any, not taking any accountability for, for his role and what has happened. And so like, you know, like what I'm kind of seeing is that there is, you know, like, we have like some like old fashioned, you know, like neocons who are like, you know, able to acknowledge that, you know, there are like that the party is complicit in what's happened, you know, and maybe not saying it the way that they should, but they're at least like being like, yeah, like Trump has been lying to these people, you know. And then we've got like people like Ted Cruz and like Ken Paxton who are basically just grifters and are willing to, you know, say and do anything that that Trump has said. And, you know, like don't seem to like really like have the same, I guess, like political values or value like in our democracy, um, the way that like old fashioned, like GOP conservatives do. Mm -hmm. um, and in my view, it's these people who, I believe like really just get into politics um, because they really just want to dip their hand in the honeypot and get some of that corporate socialist money that America does so well, you know, like, I mean, Ted they want the power. Yeah. They and like, for example, yeah. And for example, like Ted Cruz, you know, took like $35 million of the COVID relief pack that was sent to Texas and gave it out to like his, like two friends of his who like are oil company billionaires, you know, like he's just, they're just taking advantage of our political system to like get money for themselves. And like, I don't, I don't know why that's not more obvious to 
Republicans. Like, I don't see how these Republicans are, like, falling for people like Ted Cruz and and Trump and, and like, like, I, I don't know. I don't know why. Why it's not clear what's going on. I, I can help you with that. So I grew up conservative. And here's what it is. The conservatives felt ignored for so long. Like, even in the Republican Party. They felt ignored. Mm-hmm. And they had all this sentiment and people, you know, especially during Obama's presidency, were kind of making Obama out to be like this Marxist, the socialist. They were using a lot of xenophobia mm-hmm. to scare them into doing something. It's a lot like how uh, the Democratic Party dealt with race relations. You know, that was one of their big talking points. If you go back far enough, the KKK was a good thing um, for their political purposes. Uh, mm-hmm. But they felt so ignored for so long that when you get this guy like Trump that comes in and tells them everything they want to hear and starts getting rid of all these fake Republicans, you know, it really resonates with them. And then you get these opportunists that see this and, you know, come in through this and they they hedge their bets on this guy. And it resonates and they get effective. And this is where this leads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They yeah. felt ignored. Yeah. And so once, they, they the turned pop- to Donald Trump. Yeah, once the popular support is achieved, then it's in you know in your interest at that point as a politician to cater to that audience, to cater mm-hmm. to what they're, oh they're digging that message. Oh, okay, well I'm gonna say that message too. I'm gonna say it even more because I want to get get their votes, get their support, and also with with the votes or with the public support comes the financial support, comes the corporate sector. And they need to sell their products. And so if they're selling their products to a certain constituency, if you want to use that term, a certain group of people, and they're noticing certain messages are resonating with those people, then that's where the money is. And then it becomes a financial mm-hmm. thing. Okay, well, if I want to stay financially viable, if I want to get my donations that I need for my next election, like I got to say these things to these people. Yep. It becomes a, a, a cycle where it's like this is feedback loop where you kind of have to buy into that because our political system is so inundated with money. If, if we got money out of politics, if Citizens United mm-hmm. never happened, we might not be this far down the rabbit hole. But True. because we've had super PACs for the past nine, 10 years, because mm-hmm. more and more and more, every election cycle is the break, record breaking on how much money is being spent in it. And like, because mm-hmm. that's where we're at now, this, this is what happens. This is capitalism when you, when you inject it into politics and the political process. This is, this is what happens. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, I didn't, I uh, actually like skipped over Dan Patrick, the Lieutenant Governor, um, of Texas. And I think some people are confused about Lieutenant Governor, but it basically is like the vice president to the governor. Um, but he came out and said that those who burned down, those who burned down building, wait, oh, those who burned down our cities last year and those who stormed the U.S. Capitol today do not represent the people of this country. We can disagree loudly and protest peacefully, but the behavior we've seen today and in the last year can have um, can never be acceptable to any American. Um, so there, you kind of see him, you know, trying to equate the BLM movement to, um, you know, Trump supporters trying to overthrow our democracy, <laughs> um, which I think is, I don't know. And there's, I see a lot of people on both sides, like you know, comparing these two events. And I think that it's important to note 
the treatment um, and I guess like the tactical decisions made by law enforcement, um, you know, at the BLM protests um, as well, mm-hmm. like as well as like what's happened this last week. But I, I think it's really important to to recognize that the Black Lives Matter movement um, never tried to overthrow our democracy. No. Okay, um, the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't working at the um, wasn't incited by a specific politician. It wasn't even related to any specific politicians. There were politicians that came out after the fact in in support, but that was literally a movement that was um, you know like the people of the city coming together. To, to fight the treatment um, of, of Black and Indigenous people of color. Well, I guess in this case, like Black people of color, although they're fighting for everybody who's being um, mistreated by law enforcement. And that's, in my opinion, a completely different situation than yeah. um, a current sitting president's supporters being um, incited to do violence and try to overthrow our democracy um, they were actually like there were some individuals who planned to kidnap um, or not kidnap, but um, yeah. I guess like take under, you know, subdue actual elected officials, senators and congressmen. They were going to hang people. Um, yeah. yeah, they they had a guillotine like that, like a life size guillotine that one mm. of them built. Um, they were planning on, on beheading our elected officials. So, like, I really don't want to see any of these Republican politicians trying to equate this to the BLM movement, because in my opinion, they are not alike in any way um, other than the fact that it was like people like protesting, you know, which but is like, part of the process that protesting is okay. That's part of the democratic process. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But what it's happened just, at Wednesday I, wasn't a protest. No, it wasn't a protest. They were trying to take the, the electoral ballot box and do away with it in an in an attempt to keep trump in power you know what i mean so like i i just i'm kind of getting annoyed at this point i guess like with like all of these like analogies being drawn that are like factually like incorrect you know what i mean i mean obviously you can see that law enforcement had a racial bias a positive racial bias towards the Trumpian, the Trumpists, you know, because they're like predominantly white and they either weren't perceiving them to be a real threat and, you know, maybe waited a little bit too long before they started beating them with batons and pepper spraying them or whatever. Um, but like, I mean, like, yeah, like we can talk about that, but like, we can't say that like the way that, that the BLM movement was happening over the summertime is the same thing. Cause like, I don't remember the BLM movement ever trying to like kidnap any politicians. You you know what the number one point that people, when they make that analogy, the point that they often make is the destruction of property. Mm. Like, Oh, they burned down a federal building in Portland or whatever, Seattle. I forget where I think it was Seattle. Yeah. Um, And so it's like, Oh, well this is just another federal building and they're just doing the same thing to it. But uh, a a building is one thing, okay, and people aren't property. I want to make that clear, but the capital of the United States has a symbolic, uh, meaning too, you know. And so, like this was this was a symbolic act as well. Going into the capital and doing this is more than just entering a building, right? It stands for a lot more than that. And so, I agree, Amber. It's like not even a comparison. Yeah, and I know, and I don't support like 
you know, burning down buildings. Like I know there are a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, I know the city of Atlanta, you know, there were several different buildings burned down, even some people's homes, I think at one point. Um, and I'm not, I'm not encouraging that or, or condoning that in any way, sure. because I, I don't condone that. Sure. Um, I don't condone, I don't condone violence, period. Um, but I, I think that like, I guess the point that I'm making is that like, um, or the point that I'd like to make is, is just that, you know, there's, um, there's like some very stark differences in, in the goals and, and motivations like behind these two mm -hmm. different movements, mm -hmm. I guess. I agree. Absolutely. Well, we've got a lot that I'm sure this can be a long week and a half before the president is finally inaugurated. I'm sure a lot's going to change between yep. now and then. We have stuff to talk about next week in regards to local issues, in regards to the mayoral thing, in regards to the the new police chief. Uh, and so we'll try to make time to do that. We'll probably also talk about any developments uh, about this as well, at least the ones that pertain to us locally. So, thank you very much, everybody, for listening and having.